Welcome to the Gap Church Podcast, where we're filling the gap through freedom and the truth. Please enjoy this week's message. Ooh, man. Good morning, everyone. Or good afternoon now. Ooh, how y'all doing? I'm, I'm chilling, man. Blessed, 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 blessed. Uh, so, yeah, my name is Dara. How is everyone doing? Like I said, I know y'all doing good, but I want to ask y'all again. How are y'all really, really doing? Okay, pretty good. Pretty good. I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. You're good on you. Appreciate it. Yeah, you can go. <laughs> Thank you so much, worship team. Um, if you are new to The Gap, welcome. Uh, but if you've been with us for the past few weeks, we've been in a series called The Parables, and we are in, I believe, week four of The Parables. Uh, like I said, my name is Dara. I'm one of the Gap execs here, and I have the privilege of bringing a word that God has given me to you all. Uh, but of course, as tradition, and of course, without even going deep into it, let us just go ahead and pray so uh, God can give y'all what y'all need. So Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God, for just this opportunity, Lord, uh, to just worship, Lord, in a public place, worship uh, your name, scream your name without any consequences, God. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, Lord. We just commit your children's ears and their hearts into your hands, Lord. We ask that you open them up to receive what you have for them, God. I pray that you anoint my words, you anoint everything that I, that's, that's, going, to, that's going to come uh, from, from, this, from, from this pulpit, Lord. I pray, Heavenly Father, God, that it will not just be my own words, but Holy Spirit, work, Lord. I pray I will not be on my own agenda, but of your agenda, Heavenly Father, God. And we just pray that uh, this message will truly move people to act. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Everyone said? Amen. Can y'all turn me down in this monitor? I really don't like hearing myself like that. So <laughs> either way, like I said, we are in uh, the series of parables, week four. And uh, we're just going to go deep into it, straight into it. Uh, if you don't know what the parables are, the parables are stories or, um, yeah, I guess you call it stories told by Jesus Christ throughout the Bible. And uh, these stories have double meanings, I would say. Uh, the first could be like a practical, while the second can be like a spiritual meaning. And we've been going into uh, the parables of Jesus Christ. I believe Lolade uh, spoke last week a wonderful word. Can we just give a clap for Lolade for last week? How many of y'all were blessed by that? Perfect, perfect. Okay, only Kennedy was blessed. Wow, okay. I guess. <laughs> uh, either way, we're going to hop into it. Let's open our Bible to Matthew uh, chapter 18, and we're going to read from uh, verse 22, and we're going to read all the way to 35. Let me know when y'all are there. Say here when y'all are there. Perfect. Okay, here. Okay. Who's there? Who's there? Who's there? Hmm. Matthew 18.22. Matthew 18.22. If you don't feel like looking, I'm sure it's on the screen. So there's the grace. That's your grace for today. <laughs> uh, but we're going to go ahead and just go right into it. So, mm-mm-mm. there we go. Cool. What, let us read. This is New King James Version that I'm reading from. And this is what it says. Verse 21. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brothers sin against me and I forgive them? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I did not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. So let's pause real quick. I'm sure a lot of us have probably heard this, this reference right here. Peter, of course, I'm sure some of us know about Peter. Peter is the one that's bold. He asks all the questions within the disciples. And pretty much he's asking Jesus Christ, how many times should I uh, forgive my brother? And he asks seven times. And Jesus is like, bro, first of all, I didn't say seven times. But, in fact, 
70 times seven times. Now, what's amazing, and I want y'all guys to know this, I want you all to know this before we go deeper into it. The reason why Jesus is saying 70 times seven times is not because he wants you all to count on your fingers how many times someone has done something to you and forgive them, but he's doing it because he wants you to know that you should forgive as many times to the point that you can't count. That's the whole point of it. Y'all got it? All right, cool. Let's keep on going. So from verse 23, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and the payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Verse 27, then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. Let's pause real quick. Isn't that amazing? This man owed 10,000 talents. So we're going we to do some conversion pretty much. In, back in the days in Jesus' time, 10,000 talents, if you convert it to the, the, I would call it the currency there, it's called denarii. Everybody say denarii. Denari. Basically, this is, this is weight. How mu- however much it weighs is how much it costs. So 10,000 talents is equivalent to 60,000 denarii. Now, guess how much you would get from working one day back then? One denarii. So he owed over 60,000 days of work to his master. If you want to go into some more calculations, if you do 60,000 60, divided by 365, that's like, what, 140-something years old. He's not living to, to make it up, let's be honest. So that's what's happening. And we see him on the line is his children, his wife, and himself being sold if he does not pay this. So his family is on the line and himself, and he still has to pay up regardless. And what is happening here is that for some reason, the master, after the servant begs, he says, please have patience with me. I plan to pay it off. Obviously, he, he would be paying it off for the rest of his life. The master is like, you know what? He finds compassion within him and says, it's okay. I've forgiven you, and I'll release you. So what did he do? He literally gave him his freedom back, and he said, don't, you don't have to pay me anymore. Isn't that amazing? I just, I just want to say this. Anybody out there who has a debt, anybody out there who is owing somebody, whether it be spiritually, physically, mentally, whatever it is, I pray that God will cancel your debt. I pray that God will cancel your debt. (laughs) That includes student loans, so say amen. Amen. (laughs) Now y'all saying amen. (laughs) God will help you, God. (laughs) Let's keep on reading. So, verse 28, like I said, he has just been released. Servant A, we're going to call him Servant A, has just been released. Verse 28. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. So that means he owed him a hundred, whoa, a hundred days of work. That's what he owed him. So, and this is what happens. He said, he owed him a hundred days of work and servant A laid his hands on servant B and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe me. So his fellow, servant, his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Verse 30, And he would not, but he went, all, he went and threw him into prison till he could pay the debt. Verse 31, So when his fellow servants saw what, they had, what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master. So they basically snitched, let's be honest. <laughs> they came and told their master all that had been done. Verse 32, Then his master 
after, after called him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Verse 33, should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. And verse 35, Jesus ends with this. He says, so my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother's trespasses. Bless the reading of the word. So if you're taking notes, the title of my message is The Master and His Servants. Pretty simple. I feel like that's such a mecca title. The Master and His Servants. <laughs> and basically what's happening here, like I said, we have a, a master. He's collecting the debt from his servants. He forgives one servant. But what, what happens is that servant A now, he goes and sees his counterpart, his co-worker, and his co-worker now owes him as well. By the way, he had just been forgiven by his master. But what happens? He literally says to the servant his, or his co-worker, hey, bro, I don't care if you're begging me. You got to pay me what you owe me and puts him in prison. And what happens is that his fellow co-workers see what he does to that servant B, let's say, servant B, and they tell the master like, hey, bro, didn't you just forget this guy? Do you see what he's doing to, to, to his co-worker? And his master is upset and angry because he now realizes that, bro, I have just given you the example of forgiveness. I've given you the example of compassion. But for some reason, you did not follow that example. So what happens is that he reverses the freedom and reverses the, the free debt. And what now happens is that he is forced to pay that. And as I was studying this, you know, I, I wanted us to kind of take a Bible study perspective to this where we kind of like analyze certain aspects of this scripture. And, and, and I want us to kind of just go back between servant A and servant B. I want us to focus on servant A and servant B. Excuse me. So if you're taking notes, the first thing I want you to put down is servant A, he was humble enough when it came to authority, but prideful when it came to his peers. He was humble enough when it came to authority, but prideful when it came to his peers. Now, the reason why I say this is because a lot of us, I'm sure we, we know, I'm sure you guys know this, when you guys were in school, there was always this one person in class that the teacher loved, but everybody in the class hated. Like the, the teacher's pet is what they would call the person. And the reason why a lot of times the attributes of a teacher's pet I would usually see is somebody who, you know, was really nice with, to the teacher, but as soon as it came down to like the peers, leave me alone, snitching, this and this and that. Oh, he was doing this, he was doing that. And people most times had a strong anger for the teacher's pet because they realized that we can't trust this person because if we have a substitute in class, it's over. It's over. The substitute don't even got to take names. She will take names. He or she will take names. The teacher's pet will take names. So as the teacher is coming in, so who did, mm, they already revealed it. And you're, you're finished. You're finished at that point. And the Holy Spirit was revealing to me that a lot of us are so quick to be humble with leadership because we have more to lose in that position. So I'll give you an example. Your boss does something to you, or oh, what's, what's reverse it? You do something to your boss. Let's say your boss can treat you as bad as it is, but here's the thing. You got a job. You want to keep the job. So guess what? You're going you're gonna to just suck it up and say, I'm sorry for what I did. But imagine your peer, your coworker, does something to you. Bruh, 
you're not paying my bills. So why I got to worry about you? And a lot of times we do this in the church because we, when it comes to the pastor or when it comes to the minister in charge or the worship leader, because we want to gain favor with them or we, they have something that we want, we tend to just let it slide. But when it comes to the people that are close to us, we literally batter them and we literally talk trash to them, talk bad to them, gist about them, gossip about them. When really, I'm not saying it's supposed to be the opposite, there should be the exact same level of humility when you do something wrong to somebody. And what happens in this story is that I feel like servant A treated servant B the way he did because, hey, servant A, his wife wasn't on the line. It didn't say his wife was on the line and his children were on the line. So he may have felt like, bruh, I deserve forgiveness. Do you see what I was about to lose? And now he goes to servant B, and servant B is just a 100 days of work. And he's like, you know, bro, I don't care. You ain't got nothing to lose. You're young. You're, you're strong. Get in jail. And a lot of us do this with our peers. And, you know, I also see that uh, in another translation it says that the servant was stubborn. The servant was stubborn when it came to forgiving servant B. And I think this is funny because I feel like we all know somebody who they have no reason at this point to be upset with somebody after four years. <laughs> y'all quiet because y'all think about yourselves. <laughs> and, and, and when I looked up the definition of stubborn, it says, in a manner that shows dog t- determination not to change one's attitude or position on something. A lot of times somebody will apologize to you, will tell you I'm sorry for everything that I did, and still you'll be upset with them. Still be upset with them. Still, you can have a whole conversation with them. You can have a whole, uh, what do they call it? Like a whole Oprah and, uh, and Prince Charles and whole, just a whole conversation sitting down and telling all to each other, and you still leave bitter. Yeah, we cool now, but shoot, I ain't talking to him ever again. <laughs> we can do that. And, and, and what I realize is that we have to understand as believers specifically, it doesn't matter how justified your unforgiveness is, you must forgive. It doesn't matter what is done to you, you must forgive. And that's why the master was upset with servant A because, bruh, it doesn't matter what the person owes you. Hey, you, it, it makes sense. You owe 100 talents. You're now a free person. You can do what you want, but at least understand that I have, I have forgiven you. And a lot of us, what we do is that we have done some crazy stuff, let's be honest, some wild stuff, some wild stuff, and we develop a cancel culture within ourselves. <laughs> you know, when I was reading this, I saw an encouragement side and I saw like a, a, a sad side. I saw the encouragement in the fact that, you know, if someone owes a lot, like I was praying for y'all, if someone owes a lot, it shows that it doesn't matter what you do, you can be forgiven. It doesn't matter if you, there's people, we've seen stories, we've heard stories of people who are locked up for life that are now evangelizing in the jails. They may have murdered somebody. They may have done the craziest things, but they find Jesus. And, and, and the master shows us that it doesn't matter how much someone owes, even if it's their life, they can still be forgiven. And, and that's why I feel like Unfortunately, us, we really, we really have embedded the cultural rules of, of, of where we live in. And like I said, that's why we have an internal cancel culture. I want us to open our Bibles to John 8. 
John 8. This is a familiar story, and I'm sure a lot of us know. John 8, John 8. And I'm going to read from verse, let me see, from verse 3. John 8, verse 3. Is it on the screen? John 8, verse 3. John 8, okay, cool. All right, so this is what it says. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Verse 5. Now Moses in the law commanded us that, us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? Verse 6. This they said, testing him, that they might have something to which accuse him. But Jesus stopped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as he did not hear. Verse 7, so when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Verse 8, and again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Verse 9, then those who heard it, being convicted by their, by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman was standing in the midst. You know what's amazing about this? Because what they try to do to Jesus is pretty much put the law that was set and make him decide how to decide the fate of this woman because of the law. And that's why I said a lot of us, because we are in a culture that is so quick to cancel people, that is so quick to unforgive people, we have adopted that same mentality within ourselves. And what Jesus says here is that, bruh, it doesn't matter about, like the law matters, but the truth is, if you can say you are without sin, cast the first stone. And that's why I believe that we fail to forgive even though we have more baggage than other people. We fail to forgive even when we have more baggage than people. I always think to myself about, like, how crazy it is sometimes when there's a situation where someone is upset that someone was talking about them. Let's just use that example. And in response to that person being upset, you know what they do? They go and talk about that person. In response to them being upset, they now talk about that person. And what we have here is almost a hypocritical situation happening that spins into something that is just as worse. And I think that when, when, when Jesus is talking about forgiving your brothers, it is to understand that you are not giving the authority to decide the fate of someone's life. You are not, we are not perfect. But unfortunately, because of how we Put, put ourselves up, we dress, we make ourselves up, we make ourselves look on social media. Unfortunately, we try and paint a picture so that even when someone, we now see their, their mess in the midst of the public, we now adopt that cancel culture within ourselves. And truly, that is not how it's supposed to be as believers. We should be the first to say that, you know what, it is wrong, but we can forgive. It is wrong, but we can forgive. I remember there's a situation when I remember I went to like a, a friend's event or something, and somebody just said something, just said something to me, like just randomly, like something childish. And I remember I was just like, I was off that day. So I remember like a person said something to me, and I was like, you know what, bro, I don't need to talk to you. Bro, I don't need to talk to you. Kid you not, I didn't talk to that person for like a whole year. <laughs> How it benefited my life, it didn't. <laughs> it didn't benefit my life. <laughs> when I was in situations with them, in scenarios with them, I'll just, everybody's laughing at the person. <laughs> it's not even that funny. It's not even that funny. Oh, can you call? Nah, bro, I'm not calling that person. You, you got it. Oh, can you? Nah, you got it, you got it. You good, you good, you good. Not me, not me. And it's so stupid because we waste our time holding in unforgiveness when really 
people are just living their lives and chilling and, and, and going to Tulum, <laughs> living our dream lives, and we're in our beds sick and tired and annoyed and burdened, and we're feeling as if, like, the person stabbed us and knew that they stabbed us. Can we stop doing that? Can we actually stop doing that? Can we, can we start making intentional moves and be adults for once, be actually believers for once, and actually talk to the person and ask for a resolution? Here's the thing. It doesn't always have to be the way you want it. It doesn't always have to be the way you want it. And it's funny because a lot of times, especially in a church environment, I realize that you can actually smell unforgiveness. Unforgiveness, it reeks. It reeks. Like, because in, in the scripture, when, when he's saying, when it says that the servants saw what he did to servant B, and they were upset and told the master, it's because even they knew it was wrong. Even they knew that it was unjust. Even they knew it was hypocritical. And, and I realized that, you know, a lot of times, in, in another scenario, because God has, really, God has really helped me, man. I used to be just, you're canceled. You're, yeah, I buy. You're good. I remember there's a situation a long time ago, and I just could not, like, this person distanced me, and I just could not, like, talk to them. I just was never in their presence. If they were going to be there, I'm good. I wasn't ever going to talk to this person. And I remember one of my friends was like, bro, are you good? Like, is everything okay? Because we've noticed that, like, every time this person is in the same room or every time we mention this person, you get defensive or you get pissed off or you get annoyed. <laughs> you get so, you get so, mm. And the truth is, I realize it's funny because I didn't even think I was showing that. I didn't even think that I was showing that I was upset with the person. I just thought that, you know, the side over here looked better, and even though she was over there, it's just coincidence, so I just feel like looking over here. <laughs> but my friends can see how, how it is for me straining my neck not to, you know, they can see that. <laughs> and especially in a church environment, you have to understand that it's crazy because we are all on the, same, on the same walkway. We're all going for the same thing. So the truth is, if we notice that something is wrong within ourselves, it's very easy to smell it. It's very easy to see that, hmm, something's not right because this person's not talking to this person. Or even after, because a lot of us, it's very hard for us to work with people that we've had beef with before. And imagine being in a church environment when you have to be in some of the most vulnerable positions, whether you're worshiping or praying or you're asking God for something, and someone, you have to serve with someone, and literally, they, they, they did you wrong. And the truth is, if you're not careful, what is something that we always pray for in, in, in the body of Christ? Unity. Unity, unity, unity. The devil will always find a way to reek in to what God is doing if he sees that there is disunity. And that's why, especially with unforgiveness, we have to snap it out. A lot of times, the reason why I actually forgive now is because I realize that that person may have something big in my life at some point. I may have to still, I'm telling you, you're always going to have to cross the bridge again. <laughs> whether it's at the 10-year reunion at your college or whether it's tomorrow randomly at Walmart. You're going to have to cross the bridge again. And the truth is, if you burn it, what are you going to walk on? What if the promotion that you have is on the other side of the bridge? There's some people I've never, I only spoke to once. And there's some people I'll tell, tell them like, oh, I'm sorry, you know, but we good, right? We good, cool, we good. I'll call them in two months, and before I know it, they're working at some major place that I need access to. 
And because of that, that situation, now they don't feel as if, like, they're, they're, they're doing something out of their jurisdiction. They're like, oh, we cool now. You know, everything is cool. But for us, we don't mind burning the bridge. It's amazing because imagine being on the stage and, and, and trying to serve, and the person next to you burned the bridge with. So whatever spiritual linking there is, it's already cut. It's already cut. And what happens is that it affects everyone that comes into this room. Because if there's someone that God wants to bring in here that is supposed to receive deliverance or something or supposed to receive something that is supposed to go to somebody else, what you've done is now stopped God from using you. You haven't stopped what God is going to do. You just stopped him from using you. Mm. You know, and, and I also look at Servant 2, you know. Servant 2 is, is amazing because it te- he, I don't know, he or she teaches me a lot of lessons. Um, just as there's people who won't forgive, there's some people that have actually been asking for forgiveness that haven't been forgiven. There's some people who have been hurt, who have seeked a conversation, that have seeked unity, that have seeked this, and they've been rejected. We see this in the, in the scripture where literally he does the exact same thing as servant A and asks him, please be patient with me, and he's rejected. And, and, and what the scripture told me is that I can be assured that it doesn't matter if I'm rejected forgiveness. If I, it doesn't matter if someone doesn't want to forgive me. I know that my master will hear of it. I know that my master will come for me. I know my, that my master will back me up because the truth is it says in the scripture if you, it says there in verse 35, so my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother who trespasses him. So the truth is that, hey, I may ask for your forgiveness, but if you don't want to forgive me, that's cool. That's fine because I know that God's got me. It's in the scripture. Another thing is I believe that servant A, unfortunately, was hypocritically judged and he was he was given an unauthorized unforgiveness. A lot of people are putting unforgiveness, and a lot of people are rejecting forgiveness, and you're not even in the position to do so. You're not in the position to do so. I think to, uh, I think to, to myself that why would I think I have the power over someone to grant them freedom or forgiveness? It must be pride. Some of us are battling with pride. I can say that for, for sure, that a lot of times when, you, when it's hard for you to forgive someone, it's because of pride. Because what happens here, even in the scripture, servant A, why didn't, it, the Bible doesn't mention anything about him trying to seek, uh, seek, seek amends with servant B for the, for the finances before he was in debt. It wasn't until he was free that he felt the need to now ask for what he was owed. And the thing about some of us, oh, this is, ooh, sorry, y'all, I'm about to come here. Unfortunately, some of us, when we've been delivered, when we've been free from something, when we see somebody dealing with the same thing, you know what we do? We don't love them. We actually judge them. We judge them. <laughs> we actually judge them. And the truth is, what we don't realize is that we're really hurting each other because the truth is, when you were in that same season, you needed somebody to help you. You needed community. And now that you've gone through it, and it was only by the grace of God because you didn't tell nobody, 
you had to handle it in your bedroom, you had to handle it in your prayer room, now that somebody else is going through it, guess what happens? You're now telling them, like, bro, you need to, come on, bro, you got you to gotta do better, man. Like, you got to, you know, man, there's some stuff I used to struggle with too, bro, and I feel like, you know, by God's grace, you got it. What? <laughs> and then what you go and do is that you tell your friends, like, man, you know, there's some people at the Gap Church, man, that really just be struggling, man, you know. <sighs> man, there's just, you know, there's just... You know, uh, Jeremiah, yeah, bro, Jeremiah, he was literally just telling me today that, like, literally he struggles with pornography, bro. Isn't that crazy? Meanwhile, you were dealing with it for five years. You were dealing with it for five years, and now you have the audacity to become a judge because you're free now. Because you're free now. You wasn't talking when you were dealing with it. And it's not to comfort anybody out here who's dealing with some things, but the truth is that don't feel that you can now talk about something or be the judge of somebody because you've been freed from it. (laughs) Yeah, that's stepping on some toes. Another thing that I wanted us to talk about is it's amazing how the community around us is important. Like I said, it wasn't... He didn't snitch on himself. The people, the, the co-workers that were around him saw what was going on and actually told the master about it. And, and, and I realized that in that whole process, the reason why they were upset about it is because they saw, this is, this is what the Holy Spirit revealed to me, they saw how the servant A asked for forgiveness from the master. And you know what's amazing? Servant B mimicked the exact same thing servant A did to him. What am I saying? The exact same posture, the exact same way that servant A asked for forgiveness and asked for patience from his master, servant B saw what was done and did the same thing. And it's amazing because the friends realized that there was nothing different when it came to the way they asked for forgiveness. There wasn't anything different. They were just thinking that they would hold each other to the same standard. And that's why it's important that we, we don't judge others and we, and we actually let go of, forgive, uh, of unforgiveness because a lot of times we are, when, when, we, when we forgive somebody or the way we act about something, people are watching the way we do it. People are watching the way we handle it. And they're learning. A lot of times I realize if you really want to see somebody's character or see the way they are, just see how they act with other people. If you want to know if the person's rude, see how they act when maybe somebody was rude to them. If you want to see if the person is humble, see how they act, not to you, but to other people. Because that will show you the true revelation of what's happening within that person. That will show you what, what's actually going on, if they're actually truly acting from a place of humility or, 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 or servanthood. And I think in all of this, the reason at the end why the master was really upset is because his expectation is that his servants would follow his lead. His servants would follow his lead. You see, I believe that when we look at the sacrifice that was made on the cross, when we look at how Jesus was spat on, when we look at how Jesus was beat, when we look at, if you've watched Passion of the Cross, I finally watched it after all these years, guys. Crazy. (laughs) It's been a while. (laughs) But when you look at all that Jesus went through just just for your sins, and you now think it's okay to have the final say on if somebody can be within your heart, within your circle. 
or you now have the final say to, um, unfortunately, there's certain positions where you get into. If you get into a position of leadership and you start making decisions based on your personal feelings towards someone, that's not okay. I've seen situations where people have actually let go of leaders, let go of volunteers because they had a personal grievance with them. That has nothing to do with it, guys. And what God is asking us is to see the example that has been set forth. See how he would forgive his children. How would God forgive? Like when they always say, what would Jesus do? It's important for us to realize that whenever we're holding something within ourselves, whenever we're upset with somebody, we have to realize that, yes, your feelings are justified. Yes, what was done was wrong. But the truth is, what would my father do? What would my father do? And unfortunately, because we've, we've had a culture where we don't like confrontation, we don't like talking about things, we hold it in with ourselves for many, many years. And what happens is that it just blows up. It blows up into something that is just, just crazy. And as I kept on going, I realized that there's certain things that from this moment we have to do as a church when it comes to unforgiveness. The first thing we have to do is that we have to exhibit the characteristics of our master. Exhibit the characteristics of our master. I want us to go to Ephesians 4.32. Ephesians 4.32. Ephesians 4.32. <laughs> and it says, let's shoot, I'll start from 31. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, clamor and evil speaking be put away Put away from you with all malice, and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So that is a standard. We have to uplift that standard that it does not matter. We must be kind to one another and forgive each other as Christ forgave us. So it's not on the basis of how we feel. It's based on the basis of what did Christ do to me? He forgave me. So what am I going to do? I have to forgive as well. It may be hard. It may be hum a humbling process, but I must forgive. And what I start to realize within the master, even within that same point, within the same point is that a lot of us have released people, but we haven't forgave them. We've released people, but we haven't forgiven them. If you look in the scripture that we read from in Matthew, it literally says here, it says that the master, there's two things, and I, and I believe the Bible does intentionally. It says that, then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, comma, and forgave his debt. So some of us have released people and let them go out of our lives, but we haven't forgiven them. We haven't forgiven them. And I think that is important because the reason why we grow, we, we grow uh, burdens for people and the reason why we grow, I'm trying to think of the, the word, uh, grievances against people is because we've literally let them out of our lives. We let them, they've done something to us and it's okay, cool. You know what? That's fine. I won't think about it. Whether it was in college, whether it's our parents, our siblings, we let it go. But what happens is that we still have it within us and we haven't actually forgiven them. And that's what really matters because here's the thing. The release is temporary. The forgiveness is a process. It's so easy to say, you know what, I'm not, do you know how easy it was for me to cancel the person? But here's the thing, I had to go through a process of literally saying, oh, you know, I can't look at this person. And the truth is that if you're going to have to go through a process of actually having to shield yourself from the person, I'd rather go through a process of forgiving that person instead. You have to go through the process of forgiveness unless all you're doing is just 
building up a, a, a pile of unforgiveness within yourself from different people. Something that I want us to take home is our approach to judging is not like the master's. I recall, I'm sure some of us have watched Medea's uh, Diary of a Black Woman, Diary of a Mad Black Woman. I don't know if y'all have watched that before. Some of y'all have? Cool. Basically what happens is that the man treats his wife really bad, kicks her out of the house, uh, just cheats on her, blah, blah, blah. And basically what happens is that he ends up being paralyzed. She comes back and she just goes ham on him. She's slapping him. She's drowning him. She's... And the truth is, the whole time, it's amazing because a lot of us that are watching the movie, we're like, bro, yes, get, get it, yes. Like, do it, like, yes, that's good. Give him the payback that he needs. But unfortunately, when I, when I, from an from a entertainment aspect, yes, that's great. But realistically, it just shows that the intentions of men is not okay when it comes to judging. Because the, tr the truth is, it doesn't matter how many times she hit him, it did not matter how many times she tried to drown him, she was still holding unforgiveness within herself. So it just shows that it does not matter what we want to do to people. It doesn't matter if we want to cancel people. It doesn't matter if we want the person to be struck by lightning, God forbid. The truth is that it does not matter because it's within us. It's within us that the unforgiveness is there. Another thing I want us to take home is we must pay attention to the signs that we haven't forgiven someone yet. Do you walk in rooms with people maybe that you're in high school with or you're on a team with or maybe that you go to school with or maybe that you used to worship with and, or you used to date and you just feel upset? Do you feel as if like you don't want to look at them, you don't want to talk to them? One of the most humbling things I had to go through was literally having to say hi to one of my, my friends from, from a long time ago that hurt me so badly because I had to suck it up and say, you know, it is what it is. It's cool. But I realized that I was holding something within me, and then I had to go through the process of forgiving that person. But the truth is that you have to pay attention to the signs because if you don't, it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. Like I said, you're building up a pile of unforgiveness within you. And the truth is that unforgiveness is all mental. <laughs> all mental. I was, I, was, I was listening to a podcast of a couple, and, and literally I think the, the wife was saying how the husband did something to her, and she was so upset that he could go to sleep at night, that he could just go to sleep peacefully because of how pissed she was. She was like, how could you go to bed knowing what you did to me? Meanwhile, he's having a sweet sleep. <laughs> and the truth is, that's what happens when you have unforgiveness. It's all mental. It's all within you. No one knows what's going on within you. So you can be walking into the Gap Church, you can be lifting your hands, worshiping, but the truth is, it's all in here. And because it's all in here, that's why a lot of times when you're seeking forgiveness or you want to forgive somebody, the one that has been battered has to ask and has to initiate some of these things. Because the person that offended most times doesn't even know. They don't even know. And the person thinks they're doing a, a, a service by, you know, saying that, you know what, cool, I'm not going to talk to that person. Do you think the person even knows why you're not talking to them? They just think that maybe you're just having a bad day. But what happens is that over time, they now, because forgive, unforgiveness stinks, so they now start to realize that, whoa, there must be something deeper than this. But honestly, I don't know why I did it, so I don't really care. And that's what happens a lot of times. <sighs> Lastly, like I said earlier, you can have assurance that if you are rejected by forgiveness, you are rejected of forgiveness, the Father will account for it. Like I said before, 
anybody in here who's been hurt, anybody in here who's been dealing with some things, who you've actually tried to do that first step, reconcile. You've actually tried to come to terms with it, and you were rejected. You were given a response that you didn't like. Maybe it was you were you were responded in a it was a response in an ungodly way. The truth is, it's okay, because God is accounting for it, especially if the other person is a believer. God is going to account for it. And I want you guys to ask yourselves, as I, I round up, which servant are you? Which servant are you? Are you the servant that, who looks down on people and knows that he's done some wild stuff, knows that she's been doing this and doing that, who's carrying a load, and just because now they're free, they can judge? Or are you the servant that is asking for forgiveness, who does not understand where the wrath comes from, who does not understand why the situation is the way it is? The truth is that there's a process for both of you. There's a process for both parties. And my prayer for you all is that for those who need to forgive, that God will give you the proper steps, give you the heart, give you the humility to actually forgive those that hurt you. And for those who are seeking forgiveness, that God will assure you that only he like, his assurance will show you that his forgiveness is what matters, not man's. Let's stand up. At this time, I want us to bow our heads. We're going to just do two things. We're going to do one prayer, and then we'll do altar call. And I just want us to just think. Because what I've done right now is I've preached and I've taught on the very surface level of forgiveness and unforgiveness. This is very surface level because it goes deep, let's be honest. There are certain things that have been done to us from parents, whether it is abuse or whether it is verbal abuse, whether it is a friend that did something to us, we've been cheated on, we've been harassed, we've had a bad professor that gave us a terrible grade, a boss, we don't, it could be anything. Whatever it is, I want you to commit it to the Father. Whether you are the person who wants to be forgiven or you're the person who needs to forgive, whatever that thing is, I want you to pray to their Father. Give it to him right now. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, you know I've been holding this within myself, God. You know that I've been holding this grievance within me, Lord. I release the person, but the unforgiveness is still there, God. I release the person, but the unforgiveness is still within me, God. Please, Lord, help me. Help me to forgive as you have forgiven me, God. Help me to forgive my brothers and sisters. Help me to forgive those that don't even know that they offended me, God. And Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm someone that I've been asking for forgiveness I've had shame all over me. I've had guilt all over me for these amount of days, for this amount of months, for this amount of years. Because of I did this, I did that. And Lord, I tried. I tried to, I tried to come to, to, to terms with the person. I tried to communicate with the person. I tried to let it go. But God, I need forgiveness, Lord. I need your forgiveness, God. For some reason, I still feel alone. I still feel as if like I owe somebody something. I still feel as if like I can't let go of the situation because I haven't been given the, the, the assurance that they forgive me, God. Lord, teach me to know that only your assurance matters, God. Your forgiveness matters, Heavenly Father, God. And at this moment, if you're here and you haven't given your life to Christ, it's important to know that Jesus Christ, he forgave you. He died on the cross, and that was a sign of forgiveness. So you are forgiven. 
you are forgiven. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how you did it, when you did it. The truth is that if you can repent and you can say, I'm sorry and vow to not do it again, just know that God has forgiven you. There's already a general forgiveness, but just know that whatever you've done, even if it was yesterday, this morning, if you ask for repentance and forgiveness, just know that he will forgive you. For those that want to give their lives to Christ, I want you to say this after me. Everybody can actually say this after me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Help me to know you better. As I accept you today, take over my heart and dwell in me. Forgive me of my old ways and help me to change into the person you want me to be. I love you, Lord, and I proclaim that you are my God. In Jesus' name, amen. And everyone just shout some praise right now. We thank Jesus Christ. Thank you for tuning in to the Gap Church Podcast. We hope this message blessed you. If you made that choice to give your life to Christ, congratulations, we celebrate you. Don't forget to text SAVED to 817-382-2244. Again, text SAVED to 817-382-2244. Thank you so much and have a blessed week.